When in doubt, when in doubt, part three, if you are on social media, do hashtag when in doubt if you want these notes to the sermon, info at bridgechurch.cc. So how do we come up with our sermon series at times? Well, sometimes God lays uh, ideas, topics, maybe passages on our hearts as pastors and a pastoral staff. Sometimes we address what's going on in our world, and we take a look at what Scripture says about how are we to respond as Christians. Sometimes we as pastors are struggling in the area, and we know that, uh, you know, we're human just like you guys, and we have struggles just like you. So we know that if maybe if we're going through some struggles, you are going through the same thing. So I shared in this message that there are two areas I wrestle with in doubt. And, uh, and I wrestle with doubt just like, just like you guys do. One of them is, how can God use me? How can God use Jeremy White? How can I be the godly husband my wife needs? How can I raise four children and not jack them up too bad? How can I lead this campus of over 300 people? Another doubt that I, I wrestle with is how God will provide for my family's needs. I doubt that, that sometimes God will provide for my family's needs. You know, being the main provider is a lot of responsibility for your family. Uh, my wife and I are, are self-employed, and as you, if you're a pastor, you're considered self-employed, which I'm not really sure how that works out, but... Uh, every quarter, we have to pay quarterly taxes, and we have to write a large check, and that's always a difficult check to write out. Um, my kids are small right now, but they enjoy the simple things. You know, going to Redbox and spending $1.69 on a DVD and having them swim around in our 10-foot pool in the backyard is a ton of fun for them right now at 8, 5, 3, and 1. But you know what? That's not always going to be fun. They're always going to they're going to want something a little bit bigger than than the ten foot pool. Uh, so then we'll go up to the fifteen foot pool in a few years. But um, you know things are going to get more expensive as they become teenagers. I think about the world economy and and how the Dow dropped more than six hundred points Friday when the UK announced they were leaving the European Union. Um, you know y your hope should not be in the stock market. Your, stock, your hope should be in Jesus Christ. Was it 2008 when it plummeted? I knew uh, a guy in Dallas uh, who lost over $100,000 in a matter of a day when that stock market dropped. And, um, but where is your hope? Where is your hope? Where is your trust? And how do you counteract the doubt that you have? So let me do just a little quick review on week one, we said Jesus would rather have you doubt and do than doubt and don't. So if you've prayed about something, if you feel uh, led to maybe take a step of faith in the area, you know, you may still have some doubt, whatever that is. I mean, I look at the last decade uh, that Sabrina and I have been married and all the steps of faith that we took. You know, there was never really a time where we had complete and perfect faith that there was no hint of doubt. But you know what? We still took a step of faith. And just take a look at your life right now. 
And do you feel something on your heart, God telling you to do something, to act out in obedience, and you have some reservations about it, so you're just going to stay in your comfort zone? When you look back 20 years from now, are you going to have doubt because you never took a step of faith? Or are you going to take a step of faith and do it even though you have doubts? We talked about how doubt creates dialogue. That times when, when there's doubt in my life and I'm wrestling with that, it makes me pray more. It makes me communicate with the Lord more, which is always a good thing. We talked about how the devil will make you feel defeated when you doubt. You know, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy and wants you to question everything. Wants you to doubt your faith wants you to doubt God, wants you to doubt everything in your life. And lastly, in week one, we talked about that even though, despite the doubt, God still delivers. Because we serve an amazing God who's in control, and even in the midst of our doubts, he still comes through. Last week, we talked why it's so important to overcome our doubts. In a world full of uncertainty, believers in Jesus need to have an assurance in God with their faith and their destiny. As a believer, assurance is essential to serving Jesus. It's essential. And assurance is essential to influencing other believers. You know, if you don't really have an assurance of your faith, of, of who you're serving, if you don't have assurance of your destiny, how is that going to come across to an unbelieving world that doesn't know Jesus? They, ha- they need to know that, you know what, even though you doubt that you have assurance in Jesus, you have assurance in your faith, you have, insur- you have assurance in where you're going when this is all said and done. And when you have ins- assurance, it changes how you live. If you have confidence then you live completely different for Christ. Don't you? John gives us three major questions we should ask ourselves, questions that help us evaluate our hearts so we know that we have an eternal life, so we have assurance as a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And last week, we talked about the question of keeping his commandments. 1 John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we have come to know him as Lord and Savior, if we keep his commandments. As believers, we are to order our lives by God's word. Now, there are over over 600 commandments in Scripture. Do you think sometimes we may not obey all the 600 commandments? Of course we don't. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, that if you, if you, if you break a command, then, then, you're, then you're not saved anymore, because we know that we're saved by grace, not by works. But do you order your steps by the Word of God? Do you read Scripture to guide you throughout life, to, for God to know you and show how you're supposed to live? That's what we're talking about. So we've been going through John's writings, and the book of John was written to influence believers. And we have on the back table, we have a red book 
that is the Gospel of John, and there is a four-part study. If you want to grow in your faith, we encourage you to pick up one of those. If you don't know Jesus, you don't, you've never even picked up a Bible before, you don't even uh, know what even questions to ask, we encourage you to pick up one of those. It's free, free, free to you. Read through it. And we have men and women here at the Bridge Goldsboro that will meet with you for coffee, that will take you out for lunch. We'll pay for it. And uh, we're going to get a bunch of people asking to, to, to go this week. Was that free lunch? Hey, man, sign me up for that. But we will go through that with you, and, and we just want to help guide you. We want to show you the truth. We want to help you grow in your faith. And, uh, and so that's available. If we run out, we'll get some more next week. But I encourage you uh, to grab that. So today, we are on the question of love. The question of love. And in 1 John 3.14, it says that we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not abide in death, he who does not ab abide, who, I'm sorry, he who does not love abides in death. So we are called to love the brethren. I think there's some Christians and churches that need to be reminded about this. Would you say that you are a loving person? Would you say that you're a loving person? Ask the person next to you. <laughs> some of you may like the answer they have, and some of you may not. 1 John 4, 20-21 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. Liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. All right, God always, you know, when Jesus comes into the picture, he makes you, he, he makes us take a look and makes us really take a look and see if we're depending on ourselves to love or him. See, because it's one thing to love someone, even that's hard to love, and another thing to want the best for them. You know, we can love someone because, all right, like, you know, I don't really like you, but God tells me that I need to love, so I'm going to love you. I'm going to rely on God's strength to love you. All right, that's one part of the equation. But it's another part to want the best for them as well. That's a little bit harder to love people but want the best for them. 1 John 5, 1 says, Everyone who believes with a deep, abiding trust in the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, is born of God. That is, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the child born of him. So everyone was born 
from a woman. If not, we can talk afterwards and figure that out. But everyone was born of a woman, but not everyone has been born from God. Only those who believe. And when you believe in Jesus, he gives you a rebirth, a new birth. And when you are transformed and reborn and renewed, you are to love what God loves. So as believers, you should love the world. We should love people of all different skin colors. That's one of the things I love about this campus is I look out and I see every, everyone represented here. You should love people of other religions. I'm not saying that you have to agree with them, but you need to love them. You should love people of every type of lifestyle, no matter if it's a lifestyle that you agree with or not. You should love people from every socio socioeconomic status. Let me ask you a question. Do you love the person at the grocery store when you're checking out, when you've been waiting there for a little while? Uh, my mom uh, was a cashier for over 10 years. And it's always important to me that whenever I go to uh, the grocery store, especially Walmart, when there's 30 checkout lines and three people working. Can I get a witness? All right, now I got your attention. But, but it's always important to me and I do it when, I, when if, if I'm by myself or if my kids are with me. I always treat those people with respect. Because you know what? That's someone's mom. And when my mom was doing that for 10 years, I, want, I would want my mom to be treated with love and respect. What about when you go to a drive through restaurant? and you're at the counter ordering your food. Do you look down on that fast food worker? Or do you treat that person with respect and love? Because it drives me stinking crazy when I see people, rude people, mm. Listen, if we're at McDonald's and you're ordering Big Mac, and you're wearing a bridge shirt, and you're acting like a chump, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out. If you're driving like an idiot, and you've got a bridge sticker on the back of your window, I'm going to pull up beside of you, and I'm going to wave. <laughs> and that's why one of the reasons why I don't have a bridge sticker on the back of my <laughs> window. There's nothing worse than being the pastor and being called out on Berkeley. You know what? But I think about that, that person that's working at the drive through counter. That's someone's son, man. That's someone's daughter. Who do you think you are? I mean, 
You're ordering a stinking sandwich. Does it give you a right to be rude to someone? Don't tell me how much you love Jesus and then act like a jerk. You can tweet that if you want. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus and then act like a jerk. So clearly, another birthmark of the believer is love. Like we said in 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love. If you want to defeat your doubts, if you want to have confidence as a Christian, if you have to answer the love question, you have to answer the love question. If you love Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to love his word, you're going to love his commandments, even though they're hard sometimes, you're going to love them, you're going to want to obey. You're going to love his church, you're going to love other believers, you're going to love the world, you're going to love unbelievers. I think about, uh, what's that, the Westboro Baptist Church? that always pickets uh, military members that, that die, and, and whenever there's someone from the uh, lesbian, gay, uh, transgender community, uh, they always picket that. Oh, my goodness, I get mm, so mad when I see that, when I see that. We should love his commands, his church, and the world. Why? Because the very nature of God is love. And if we are Christians, we should be filled with love that doesn't make sense to the world. Unbelievers should be confused by how we act. Because we act and do things in love and out of love that is so uncharacteristic of everyone else in the community. Do you confuse people with how you live? Because you do things that, that people don't do. Do you love in ways that people shouldn't love? Have you heard people say when they're talking about someone, he is just like his father? Have you heard that? Now, a lot of times when people are saying, they're, you know, kind of being sarcastic about that. But I hope people can say that about me. I hope people can say that, man, Jeremy is just like his father. But I'm not talking about my earthly father. I'm talking about my heavenly father. Can people say that about you? That, man, Sabrina is just like her father. That Ola is just like her father. Because I want people saying that about me, man. I do. Second Peter 1.4 says, Become partakers of his divine nature. So Jesus points this out in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And we're in the Amplified Bible. It says, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves others 
is born of God and knows God through personal experience. The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not, and never did know him. For God is love. He is the originator of love and is an enduring attribute of his nature. Notice John's logic. All right, so God is love. You have been born of God. You have, you've had a rebirth. Therefore, the nature, the seed of God has been planted in you. So if God is love and I have the nature of God planted in me, then I'm going to love. John's logic leads to this conclusion. If I don't love, I don't have the nature of God. If I don't have the nature of God, then I haven't been born of God. It's as simple as that. We make it so complicated sometimes. The Bible describes the church in two ways. The body of Christ and the bride of Christ. If you've surrendered your life to Christ then you're going to love what Christ loves. And Christ loves his church. He loves his body. He loves his bride. Let me give you an illustration. As a man, there are two ways you're going to get my attention. One is you mess with my body or you mess with my bride. Have you ever hammered your finger before? Some of you don't speak French, but when you hammer your thumb, you speak some French. Some of you don't speak in tongues, but when you hammer your finger, you speak in tongues. Now, do you just hurt your finger? I mean, your whole body is hurting for that little tip right there that you had just hammered. Biblical illustration, do you remember when Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, was traveling to Damascus to persecute the church? Jesus met him and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me in Acts 26? Now, Saul may have said, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting your church. I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. Jesus was saying, Saul, the church is my body. So when you persecute the church, you're persecuting me. Now, persecute also means to harass, to bring judgment, social, social persecution, sometimes called discrimination or prejudice, consists of making individuals or group outcasts. Do we, see, do we see Christians in churches do that? Christians can even persecute each other. And you're like, say what? Listen, the, 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 the disciples did this to other believers. In Mark 38, 40, the disciple says, Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. 
and we told him to stop. Look at this, because he was not one of us. He wasn't one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Here you have the disciples, and they say, someone's doing things in your name, but they're not, they're not one of us. They don't look like us. They're not from where, where we're from. So we, so we stopped them. And Jesus is saying, whoever's not against us is for us. Man, I see this all the time. I read a quote that said, Christians are sometimes divided over issues that are not central to Calvary. Christian, let me read that again. Because I know my Jack, my friend Jack heard that one. Christians are sometimes divided over issues that are not central to Calvary. The body of Christ should not be divided against itself. Yet many times we are attacking each other over beliefs or any other belief that differs from ours. Listen, you got the essentials. We believe wholeheartedly in the Scripture. We believe wholeheartedly in the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus was real. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that he rose from the dead. We believe that if you do not accept Jesus before you, before you die, you will not go to heaven, you will go to hell. We believe that. Listen, those are essentials. And then there's the non-essentials that we get so hung up on. I don't care what denomination you're from. Like denominations, it doesn't matter, man. Listen, I uh, grew up Church of Christ. I went to a non-denominational church in, 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 uh, in high school. I am licensed and ordained through the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana. I went to Asbury Seminary. I am now part of a church that is International Pentecostal Holiness Church. And some of you are like, really? I didn't see any, like, hollering and, you know, people getting thrown down and snakes and stuff like that. Den I, we do not care about denominations. We care about, now, let's celebrate the heritage, all right? But we care about getting people to Jesus Christ. That's what matters. That's what matters. Are you guilty of persecuting the church when you speak negative about fellow believers, about fellow pastors, and about local churches in the area. Because if you do that in front of me, if you persecute fellow believers, fellow pastors, or fellow churches, I'm going to call you out. Because I'm not going to put up with that. Because that does not honor Jesus. How can we expect God to bless the bridge 
when, if we talk negative about other people. We get it all the time. Man, you got people that love the bridge, and you got people that hate the bridge. And we're talking about other believers. And I want other people to do the same thing about the bridge. That if there's negative talk, that people stick up. I, I always, always uh, get the question. Sometimes people say, um, yeah, man, the, the bridge, they're, they're all fluff about there. They're all about entertainment and, and show. And, uh, you know, they don't preach the Bible. And, and then I love it when that person says, have you ever, ever been there? And the person responds like, no, man, but I've heard about it. Listen, if you have something negative about another church and you've never been there, shut your mouth. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I'm crazy, man. What are you? Some people in this town have a reputation of going from church to church, stirring up trouble. And you know what? Us pastors talk. And sometimes we hear about uh, people that little cray-cray. Then they go to another church, and I'm friends with that pastor, and I just and sometimes I'll be like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that... Um, you know, I heard of this person is, is uh, attending your church now, and I just want to give you a heads up. This is some of the things that we've dealt with with this person. And you know what happens? 99% of the time, it happens. And so if people are, are, are church hopping all around the community and just, you know, causing trouble, I, I, if they come to the bridge, I want to know about it, man. I want to know about it. When you love Jesus, you love the church. When you honor the church, you honor Jesus. When you neglect the church, you neglect Jesus. He is the head, and we are the members of his body. So one way that you could get my attention would be to abuse my body. But not only is the church his body, the church is also his bride. i tell you another way you could get my attention real quick. And that would be to abuse my bride. I love Sabrina with everything I have. Sabrina is my bride, and I die for her. If you mess with my wife, you messing with your life. <laughs> Listen, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Someone should write a song about that or something. <laughs> so the Bible says we are his body, we are his bride, and John is saying, don't you dare claim to be born of God if you don't love the body and the bride of Jesus Christ, which is the church. You say, but pastor, some of the members of his body are hard to love. Well, let me ask you this. Do you ever get annoyed with members of your own family? No one turned right now to the, to the I do. You know? 
Sometimes my family can drive me crazy. And I'm sure I drive them crazy as well. We upset and irritate each other, but I love them. And I would do anything for them. In spite of that reality, we still love them because the nature of God is in us and the nature of God is love. If anyone has done anything worse to you than you have done to Jesus, then you don't have to forgive or love them. I'll give you, I'll give you, that, I'll give you that pass. If anyone has done anything worse to you than you have done to Jesus, then you don't have to forgive or love them. What did we do, man? We put Jesus on a cross. John 13, 34 through 35 says, I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Listen, love is the evidence of your salvation. If you are not a loving person, if you do not obey the commands that God has laid out, then I have to question you if you're really saved. I mean, you can go through the motions. You can even, you can even come to church service. But if you do not obey the commandments of God, if your life is totally contradictory to the Scripture and you don't love, then you should doubt what you really believe in. And you should doubt where you're going when you take your last breath. Love is the evidence of your salvation. Love is more attractive to a lost world than anything else. Man, I get people, I, after Thursday, I got someone that came up to me and said, uh, said man, I, I've really been inviting uh, this coworker to, to church for a while now, and he actually came tonight you know, how do, I, how do I witness this person? And, you know, I gave him some tips, whatever. But the first thing I said was, you man, you love them like they've never been loved before. I get people on a regular basis that come to me and say, man, how do I, uh, how do I witness to my family? And a question that I first want to say is, are you loving your family? Uh, you know, we got Fourth of July weekend coming up. Some of you going on vacation. Some of you going to see your family. And um, you, some of you have family members that are unsafe. Listen, if you don't love them, how are, how, how are you going to ever talk to Jesus about them? Because what you're saying and how you're living is not matching up. You have to love them. So there's a commandment-keeping question, and there's a love question. Next week, we're going to close up the series, and we're going to talk about the question of trust question of trust. Let me pray for you guys.